Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to this week's Happy Mum, Happy Baby, Asking for a Friend. This week we're discussing everyone's favourite topic when it comes to parenting. Yes, sleep. I have such clear memories of going to baby groups and everyone talking about how much sleep their baby was getting. And I can clearly remember one mum being quite hysterical at her response, which was that she got 40 minutes sleep that night. And I can remember the laughter that came with it. It was maniacal. She was a lady on the verge. And I think at that point, I really understood how precious sleep is. Sleep for babies, sleep for mum, sleep for dad. Uh, I think it's so important. I've got three boys um, and they have all slept very differently. I had one who was addicted to you and the sheep. Anytime he stirred, I'd just put little Ewan on. One listened to Nora Jones on repeat. Uh, and I've tried many different methods. I've been asleep on the floor. I've left them. I've been in the cot. I've held a hand. I have swayed back and forth. I have counted in my head. I've literally, as the baby is in my arms, counted and gone, they'll be asleep by the time I get to 30. They'll be asleep by the time I get to 60. They'll be asleep by the time I get to 100. 
let's start again. They'll be asleep at some point because you keep looking down and they're just looking up at you. It's actually inspired one of my newest projects, actually, that I'll talk to you about a lot in the coming weeks and months. I've been working on an album that's combined two of the best things that have helped my kids sleep, and that is music and environmental sounds. So I've been working on that and it's been a dream to work on. But sleep is the topic today. And to help us find the best way to catch up on our sleep and get our baby sleeping, I've invited someone that knows a fair bit about babies and sleep, a fair bit. She's the founder of Sleeping Bunnies. It's Anna Knight. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, your name? Yes. It couldn't be more in tune with what you do at all. It's not a stage name, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No. I know it's spelt differently, but, well, you are the night in shining armour for some people that want sleep, but you're also... It's spelled differently, but nighttime is where where we need you. Yes, no, totally. Actually, when my my brother, when I first started at Sleeping Bunnies, my brother helped me with my website five years ago, mm. and uh, he actually had a little nighty night at the end of it. Is that oh. Anna Night Nighty Night? <laughs> um, we did take that off. After did a while. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's yeah. talk about Sleeping Bunnies. Why did you set it up? So I was a teacher, a special needs teacher. So my background is in behaviour and children with additional needs. And then when I first had my my first child, I became naturally quite inquisitive and observant around her sleep, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit obsessive at times, but yeah. quite kind of just taking on board and observing everything that she did and when and why and what I could do to help her with her sleep. And then within kind of like a, a group of friends, I was known as the baby whisperer. And then I had friends of friends ring up and family friends. And I was just getting contacted all the time. And it was actually my husband that said, Anna, there's obviously a need for support around sleep and you're, you've got a natural flair. So, yeah, I decided to train to be a sleep consultant, set up Sleeping Bunnies, left teaching. Yeah. And now I'm lucky to have a team of fabulous sleep consultants working for me. And we work worldwide supporting, yeah, mums, dads, babies, children and older children. We work all the way up to nine years of age. I've always been really surprised at how divisive sleep can be. Now, I remember before having Buzz, I'd read every book. And they were so, you know, they told me exactly what I had to do. This is how I get my baby to sleep. Uh, and then I had Buzz and he hadn't read the books. It was quite inconsiderate of him. He didn't yeah. know what he was doing. You know, he had his own mind. He had his own agenda. He'd only ever sleep for 30 minutes a day in the daytime. So I'd spend ages trying to get him to sleep. He'd sleep for 30 minutes, back up, and the whole routine would start again. And what I've realised over the years, it's a case of, Every child is different. And, and that goes from my first to my second to my third. And it's very well kind of going, no, this is what I think. And I'm going to be a purist in that way. Mm. But actually, for me, I feel like you've got to actually adapt and kind of take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and see what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we, we do at Sleeping Bunny. So every plan that we write is bespoke to the individual baby, toddler or child that we're working with and the family. Yeah. So parenting styles, you know, little ones, sensory preferencing. So Every baby, toddler and child will find different ways soothing and calming. So yeah. some little ones might like vestibular motion. So motion that taps into their vestibular system, which is their nervous system, right. to help them regulate and calm. So you might find some babies really like being bounced or rocked. And then other babies... Well, there's the bum tapping that I used yeah, to do all the yeah, time. Yeah, but if, if they've got a bit of motion with it, that will be tapping into their vestibular yeah. system. But also proprioception, so the squeezing and the touch and the you know holding. So lots of little ones will 
tend to go nearer to that for comfort. So they'll Which want... makes sense if they've been in the womb yeah. and they've heard all those noises for so long, they've been held, yeah. you know, by your tummy for so long and all of a sudden being out in the open in, in what we make very silent and dark rooms. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why new lots of newborn babies will want that motion and mm. that squeezing because that's they're the two that they're most reliant on in the womb. And then when they come out of the womb, then all the other senses start to come into place, so sight, sound, smell, yeah. taste, touch. And when little ones find their ways of falling to sleep, they'll have their preferences as to which sense they're using like more predominantly. Right. Um, so some babies will, you know, feed to sleep and they'll want that sucking and taste and that oral regulation and yeah. other ones will want to be rocked. And some babies, like I say, just, just a cuddle's enough. So... When we work with a family, it's about really looking into what that little one needs to feel calm and regulated, and then we use that as our kind of tool to help them become more and more independent. Yeah. Why do you think sleep is such a divisive subject? Is it because we're all just absolutely knackered? Yeah, I think sleep deprivation is... it's. Well, it's a form of torture, as we know. Yeah. And also, if it goes on and on and on and you can't see light at the end of the tunnel, it can be quite lonely, yeah. isolating. Um, but the effect on maternal mental health mm. in terms of sleep is huge and that shouldn't be overlooked. So when people are being judgmental, it's mm. really not helpful because that's no. actually not the conversation. No, and it's not going to help them at all. It's re- really interesting, actually, when we support a family, quite often at the initial consultation, you know, a parent, husband, mother will talk about their mental health and say, you know, I'm not in a good place at the moment, yeah. I'm really struggling. And actually when you get to the other side of the package and you've supported them for four to six weeks and then their their little one's sleeping well, that I am a new yeah. woman, I am in such a positive headspace, I can give them the best version of myself. And just to see that transformation in parents and the way we parent is mm-hmm. just... Phenomenal, but no, it shouldn't be the conversation. The, the judgment. I think we need to all look at sleep in a more open-minded way, yeah. and just not think. I think we're coming away from as well that probably as we were parented, you know, it was very different. And I think even maybe 10, 15 years previous to that, you know, it was kind of put them out in a pram, leave them in the garden for a while. Yeah, you yeah. know, put something over to make sure the cat doesn't go on top and they're <laughs> fine. Um, and then it's sort of, we're, we've got to move away from that to know that actually we, the more and more we learn about infant sleep and supporting them, we know that we're giving them the best, you know, the best setup in life in terms yeah. of their, their brain development and sort of their relationships with us as their caregivers. So... I think we're in a bit of a transformation mm-hmm. um, in the way that we parent, just generally. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think just removing as much judgment as possible and just empowering mums and being in it together, regardless yeah. of how you parent. Absolutely. Yeah. On Asking for a Friend, yeah. we ask you what three questions you are asked the most. So when it comes to sleep, what are you asked? So one of the biggest questions that we get asked all the time is how can I get my baby to sleep in their cot on their own? Right. Or how can I get my little one to self-settle in their bed? And it seems like there would be one quick answer to that. You mean um, there's not? (laughs) Anna, why are we here? (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, the amount of messages we get and emails saying, I just, you know, I don't need help with their routine. I don't need help. I just need to get them in the, the sleep space. But unfortunately, in order to do that, you have to get all the foundations in place. So you need to make sure that they're not overtired, that their sleep latency, which is the time it takes them to fall asleep, is kind of optimal, which is about 15 to 20 minutes for most little ones. I mean, quite a long time. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
He, so he may. He, and then he'd sleep for half an hour. Yeah, I mean so that that may be a sign of overtiredness. So mm. if they if their sleep latency is too long and they resist, 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 yeah. they're going against cortisol, which is the, the the sort of stress hormone that builds when they're overtired. Yeah. And then the only way to excrete that cortisol is to stay awake for longer. So it may be yeah. that you know you're almost going against that overtired little one. But looking at sleep latency, looking at their routines, their awake windows, making sure that their awake, you know, their awake time isn't too big or too small so that we get that sleep latency right. Bedtime, making sure bedtime's right so that we optimise the melatonin, the natural sleep hormone that we produce. So we would look at all of that stuff before we'd even begin to go self-settling. Right. Because what a lot of families will do is, obviously, when you want your baby to get to sleep, you're like, right, I've had enough of the rocking, I've had enough of the shushing, bum tapping, bouncing on a yoga ball, whatever it might be, driving round and round. <laughs> um, they get to the point, they go, right, you're, I'm just going to put you in the cot and you're going to self-settle. But generally speaking, all the other stuff's not in place. So yeah. that baby or child will be distressed and will just get upset. Whereas actually, if you have kind of laid all the foundations and built it all up so it's perfect and then you start to try and work on self-settling you're going to be you're going to find yourself with a much better response from your little one than if you just sort of right we're going to do self-settling now yeah so yeah the, the self-settling it's the biggest question but it's it's almost impossible to answer without yeah. doing kind of without knowing more about an individual family and setup and situation yeah we often when we're working with toddlers yeah obviously when you have a baby you set up the nursery don't you and it's yeah. all neutral and you maybe have like a little sheepskin rug on the floor and maybe like a tiny little neutral mobile and it's all very chilled and then as they get older they start to get all the, the, things the disney like. toys yeah. and the you know you just start to get all of these items that just add up and and you know sometimes we will go into the home to support with bedtime especially with slightly older toddlers and children and um you'll go into the bedroom you're like wowzers <laughs> this is Isn't the most stimulating <laughs> room you know there's like cars and flying pigs on the wall and you're just like wow and if you think of our bedrooms you know we I mean I don't know about yours but mine's like I've got white and grey and it's very yeah. chilled and it's my it's but my it's part of that also us wanting to get their toys out of the living room yes the, I mean they <laughs> yeah. are in every Declutter room the rest anyway. of the house yeah. yeah by creating a little area yeah. within their room but ultimately it does take over yeah it and does. you're so you're so right. That yeah. difference between a baby's bedroom and a toddler Toddlers, or a child's yeah. bedroom. So I, I always suggest just trying to have neutral colours where possible. Mm. If you've got storage to put the toys away, yeah. So that you know they haven't got that visual stimulation, especially if you've got little ones that are up at five thirty. All the toys are there for them to see. They're in a bed. They can just get out. Yeah. You know, just have it all out of sight, out of mind, so that they can then start to unwind and shut down well. I've just um, had a memory of um, when Buzz was a baby or a toddler. We used to line up his toys around his cot when he used to go when he was asleep, so that when he woke up in the morning, he'd just kind of like, oh, cars, <laughs> just sit there for an extra half hour, <laughs> just kind of play with his toys happily. Yes, I mean, but not until he was asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not you know if he's if he slept all night, then it's not a problem, yeah. is it? Yeah, I, I don't think he ever woke up at three and then was like, no, oh, I'll just play with these. <laughs> yeah, there's Lightning McQueen. I love that. But you like, <laughs> <laughs> I must do that before we go to bed and line all the toys up for him. <laughs> <laughs> what is your next most asked question? Okay, so how to know when your little ones should sleep. So it's all very well me saying, oh, you know, make sure their awake windows are appropriate. Yeah. And lots of people will wait for the cues. So they'll wait for the eye rubbing, the back arching, the ear tugging, the crying. And they're all signs that your little one's gone past it. Oh, really? So one of the best tips that I could give any mum listening to this or, or dad listening to this, this podcast is to just observe your little one. If you start to see eye rubbing, ear tugging at, I don't know, nine o'clock every morning and they do a nap around that time, 
the next day, just go 15 minutes earlier than when you saw the queue the previous mm -hmm. day. And it's just about being a little bit more in tune as to when you can then start assisting them to sleep. Because it, the chances are, if they're rubbing their eyes and back arching and getting really kind of distressed, that's the cortisol rising. And then once the cortisol's present, the only way that they can excrete that is for being awake for longer yeah. and, and through physical movement. So that's why lots of tiny babies will just back arch. And it's because they haven't got the physical movement. Whereas with older children, as I'm sure you know, when they get overtired, they get that second surge of energy. Yeah. In the evenings, they start bouncing off the wall and they become kind of almost a bit clumsy, a bit kind of erratic, yeah. quite high energy. That's the cortisol. Right. Um, that's the, that, that then they need to burn it off yeah. in order to get to sleep. So if your child is like that... Mm, and go earlier. Go earlier, Always but if you've, go already, earlier. If, you've, if you've already buggered it up and your child is having a... a, a You're better off letting them run, really? run its court, like let them get it off their chest, give them an extra 10 minutes in the garden or... Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, and then try again. That's fascinating. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going against a hormone yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, it's not just even saying, a child. No. It's a hormone. Yeah. The hormone has taken over. Yes, 100%. And the thing is with a regulated routine or rhythm is sometimes you're not actually responding to their need yeah. and, and being in tune with them. It's a bit like us, you know, I might go to bed at 10 o'clock most nights, but some nights I'll, I'll go to bed at eight and I'll yes. still sleep the same amount of time. Yeah. It's exactly the same for our children. So just be flexible with it. And I always say to people, think rhythm, not mm -hmm. routine. Have a rhythm. So think, right, they're normally up, you know, around six and seven, then naps between sort of eight and nine, depending yeah. on when they're yeah. up. Um, they're, their lunchtime naps sort of between 12.30, 1.30, and then bedtime's kind of between 6.30 and 7. But if they've been swimming that day and that nap was a bit short do an earlier bedtime it doesn't need to be the same every day yeah. there's lots of um old-fashioned ideas around sort of only let them sleep for 20 minutes here and mm -hmm. then keep them awake for this amount of time and then pop them down here and then their bedtime has to be at seven o'clock on the dot regardless of whether your baby wakes up at 5 a.m yeah. they're still not allowed to go to bed till seven <laughs> i mean it's just bonkers I, so this is where I'm, we're coming away from kind of that old school approach and I yeah. think the more education that we have the more we can be better you know professionals and also parents so that we can really respond to them and what they need with their sleep yeah what's your third most asked question it gets asked a lot they're all very similar because they all kind of it's also interlinked when it comes to yeah. sleep it really is but how to prevent the frequent night wakings yeah so lots of people especially if they're sort of in a developmental milestone. So your little one's learning to roll or crawl or walk or pull themselves to stand. That's mm -hmm. a tricky one. And regressions, sort of sleep regressions, the four-month sleep oh, four regression. Months. Oh, that's so painful. Savage, savage. Because you just feel like you're coming out the other side. Of and the then boom, yeah, I know. It's Because usually around three months, they have a natural window where they start to organically begin to do a little bit of regulation themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of babies will, not all, but a lot will. Um, so they'll start to kind of almost look for their fingers and thumbs. They might start rubbing their head side to side. They might even twiddle their own ear. They might bounce their legs up and down. But what we do as parents is we run in, almost carry on doing what we've done in the fourth trimester yeah. with the rocking and the bouncing and the feeding and everything. And we don't give them that opportunity when they're naturally trying to do it. So if they're awake and they're not crying at that point, oh, is it okay I, to Oh, absolutely, to yeah. Give them moments sort of around the three-month mark to see if they can, you know, lots of babies will just pop their thumb in and they'll just drift off to sleep. But yeah. if, you carry, if you've already got them in the sling and you're already rocking them, they can't even put their thumb in, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's about giving them the space and the time to explore. So what happens around the four-month mark for it to be such a massive regression? So their sleep cycles become more of that of ours so they become more adult like right. um so th there's actually a change in their sleep cycle and 
really, you want them to be able to do what we do, which is begin to self-regulate. And mm -hmm. then when they can, they'll start to link their cycles through the night. Whereas if those sleep cycles change and they're still reliant. So is that why? So there's different types of sleep, as we know. Yes. So is it when they're jumping from one type of sleep to the other that it's waking them up? Yes. When right. they're going for this, so they go through um, their light sleep into their deep restorative slow wave sleep, back up into their light sleep. And then you want them to add the next sleep cycle right what's also tricky around the four month mark is obviously sleep when they're newborn babies their sleep need is very high so they have sleep pressure behind them right as they get older they can i say cope maybe not if they're screaming screaming the house down but they learn to fight that sleep a little bit more right so they will resist their naps they will resist their evening bedtime and then when they wake up and they've got disjointed sleep through the night or fragmented sleep where they're waking up after each sleep cycle they find it hard to go back off just because they're getting older and they haven't got that physical push to push mm -hmm. them through that like they do when they're tiny yeah yeah so the, one of the questions was about the frequent wake-ups and I say one of the questions, all the questions we get asked um, all the time is how to stop them waking every 45 minutes every hour your best bet is just to keep on top of overtiredness so I would suggest looking at what would be an average sleep quota for your little one at the age they're at so it might be 15 hours it might be 16 it might be 14 and look up what they should be getting for their age and then just keep an eye on it to mm. see okay they're getting about 11 overnight maybe 10 if it's broken obviously we always aim for about 12 and then see what they're getting in the day. And if they're on the lower side of things, then just try your hardest to do an earlier bedtime. Try doing naps slightly earlier. So, so sleep breeds sleep. Because mm. there's always that thing I've heard people saying, well, well I don't, don't have naps in the day because they won't sleep at night. But actually, if they're overtired at night, it's going to work against yeah, the child. Yeah, it's very, very rare that we get a family come to us and they're waking up for an early start because they're getting too much sleep. Really? It is incredibly rare. Yeah. I mean, discounting one hand. the danger nap. Yeah, the, the danger nap. See, what the danger nap does is it caps that pressure. So all the time we're awake, we're building that homeostatic sleep pressure to then push us through the night. Now, right. that little tiny danger nap at three or four o'clock, we're on the way home from somewhere, oh. and you're like, no, <laughs> wake them up. Um, that danger nap just nudges that pressure. So it's a bit like if we were to have a nap at, I don't know, five, six o'clock, yeah. we would then struggle to get back to sleep at 10 or 11 yeah. because it's just taken that need for sleep away. But that danger app as well, it's such a deep sleep when they have yeah. it. Yeah. I guess because it's so close to, to bedtime. Right. Yeah. And I think we're so conditioned because of society that seven o'clock is a bedtime, mm. a, a typical bedtime. It, it, seven o'clock is the, the latest that we would recommend at Sleeping Bunnies. Always be going for an earlier bedtime. Obviously, in the summer months, it is light early. And it is light in the evening, so it's a bit different. But if you think of the winter, when it starts getting dark at 4.30, 5 o'clock, if your little one's been up or not had enough daytime sleep, by that time, as soon as it starts to get dark, their body's going to start to produce melatonin and want mm. to go to sleep. And actually, by stretching them out till 7, we're just doing what society says rather yeah. than following their natural rhythms. It goes back to, to do what works for you and your family, yeah. Well, I read something fascinating. I don't know if you'd said it, about the water temperature. That it doesn't need to be that hot. It doesn't need to be that hot. Yeah. No, I did say something yeah. about that. Yeah. So, again, if you think of stress hormone, your body gets all hot, you're sweaty. A bath can just exacerbate that. So, actually, a slightly cooler bath is sometimes quite a lot. I'm not saying cold. Don't start giving your babies cold <laughs> baths. Please don't do that. But just a cooler bath. You know, that 37 degrees is a hot tub. It is, isn't it? It's a hot tub. I can remember the and when I get out of a hot tub, yes. I'm like, oh, you know, relax sweaty. maybe, but also kind of like, oh, God, I'm really hot and sweaty. Yeah. Um, so just being mindful that actually 
yes, a newborn baby, you need to check the temperature. Yeah. As they get older, maybe slightly cooler, might just yeah. help them with that, that sort of settling down for sleep and unwinding. Mm. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we have sent out to the Happen Baby community. We've told them that you're on. Some of them have uh, written in with their questions around sleep. Are some babies just good sleepers from birth and do these children exist? Isn't it, is it a good thing or a bad thing that we say they label babies good sleepers, bad, bad sleepers. sleepers? So I think if we're normalising infant sleep, I think it's about accepting that no little one comes out of the womb and sleeps for 12 hours a night and does their naps perfectly. You know, yeah. it is about responding and, and kind of coaching them into a bit of a rhythm. There are signalers and soothers. So you get some babies that will signal a lot for your assistance mm-hmm. and they will want to be regulated by you and they need your help. And then you get some babies that are quite happy being by themselves and they will start to soothe themselves from a very early age. And um, they may even be sucking their thumb in the womb, you know. So, yes, there is a difference, but I think we need to get away from good and bad yeah. and think signalers and soothers. Um, yeah. And actually, if they're a signaler, then they just need a little bit more help and that's fine. Yes. It's fine. Don't yeah. think that they're bad they're a bad sleeper. They just they might end up being that child that's a bit more tactile or it might be part of their personality as well. Mm. And how boring would it be if everyone just everyone was the same and everyone laid down and went to sleep? Yeah. My baby and preschooler will be sharing a room. How and when can I start? So I would make sure that they're both in a good rhythm to a point on their own before you put them together. So try and have them both kind of at least going down at roughly the same time and then hopefully having them both sleep well overnight so that what can happen when they share rooms is if you've got one little one that's needing more help throughout the night or at bedtime, it starts to impact the one that wasn't needing it Mm. and then you end up kind of almost with even more work to do. So I'd try and get them both in a really good place. And the other thing I would do is be flexible in the bedtime. So sometimes your baby may actually need to go to bed later than your toddler. Right. So a lot of people aren't flexible with that either. They think the baby needs to go to bed first because they're the youngest and then the toddler goes to bed and then the eldest goes to bed. When actually, if you've got a one-year-old that's napping twice a day, they probably can cope with a seven o'clock bedtime because they've just had a nap. If you have a toddler that's two and a half who's just stopped napping, then they're probably going to need to be in bed by six. Yeah. So... I would have a bit of a plan as to who needs to go to bed first and what you're going to do with the other child whilst you're trying to settle. So it is a bit of logistic. It is a bit of a logistical nightmare with 
as we know, yeah. having multiple children, <laughs> yeah. nothing straightforward. So I would just have a little bit of a plan as to how you're going to do it before you try and make that transition. Yeah. How can I help my baby link sleep cycles for daytime naps? They they wake up bang on 45 minutes. I'll beat this person with my 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so difficult. Like mine, and it's interesting, happened to two of mine, the third one, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know what to do with myself when he slept for two hours a day. Yeah. So I would say you probably want to go earlier rather than later. Mm. So short sleep cycles can be a sign of overtiredness. They're just either falling asleep too quickly or it's taking a long time, both of which right. are likely to be overtiredness. So I would probably do your, your nap slightly earlier, see how that works. Also trying to promote independent sleep. So we quite often say about like layering up new associations. So say you've got a little one that's rocked to sleep, try and layer up a little bum tap whilst you're rocking them. Mm -hmm. And then that's something that maybe you can do in the cot and then eventually you can wean off the bum yeah. tap. Um, so just trying to get them where possible and where age appropriate to settle themselves as much as possible. Because then if they can settle themselves, they will be able to link that next sleep cycle. Whereas if they needed you in the first instance, they're going to need you again to get back off again to link the next sleep cycle. Yeah. I always say to people, if you picture falling, so say I fell asleep in here on a chair. You're more welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to after the weekend. And then I woke up at home in my bed. Yeah. When I woke up, I would genuinely be disorientated, quite stressed, quite scared. Yeah. Because I fell asleep in one situation, in one environment, and then I woke up in another. So it's no different for our babies and children. Mm. When they fall asleep in your arms or with you there, and then they wake up in a room and you're not there. It's that kind of, it just completely disorientates them and unsettles them. Yeah. So as much as helping them work on self-settling can be hard, it gives them that nice, calm, chilled, you know, settling into sleep in a really lovely, positive way that then they can keep applying throughout the night and, and for short naps. Mm. So self-settling and overtiredness really will, yeah. will help with the short nap. Okay. My baby consistently wakes at five in the morning. How can I change that? Someone else had written in to say four in the morning. Yeah. Early starts, especially this time of year. Yeah. So the birds singing, the sun's birds up. Birds are so loud. Yeah, they really are. And if you're by the beach, the seagulls, Gosh. like, you know, it's so loud. Yes. Nice. I would be saying it's it, usually it's overtiredness. Very, very rarely is it not overtiredness and it's because they've reached their sleep quota. It's more often than not overtiredness. So trying to get them to sleep earlier. So I would just get give them an earlier bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. Give them an early bedtime. Make sure that they're getting enough total sleep again over the twenty four hour period. So look at what they're getting overnight, and if they're napping, what they're getting in the day, and make mm. sure it is roughly what you know suggested for your little one at their age. Yeah. It's nine times out of ten overtiredness. You can do things like popping some cot. So our body temperature drops around four or five when cortisol starts to come in in preparation for the day. Right. So that's why. They wake up early, it's that cortisol again. That comes in to get us ready to then be awake for 12 hours or six or however many hours your little one's awake for. So when it starts to creep in, our body temperature drops. So if you can help them regulate their temperature with some little cotton socks, obviously please be mindful of safe sleep with little tiny babies, but for sort of toddlers and, and um, yeah, even maybe just over one, yeah. just some little cotton socks can actually help them to regulate their temperature and then they're less likely to wake up. Also, lots of people make the mistake of transitioning them into a duvet and a pillow really early. Yes, because it's that thing, isn't it? Yeah, kind of seeing them, oh, they grow them. Yeah. yeah, but actually what one-year-old can coordinate pulling the duvet over them and sucking <laughs> their feet under? They can't. They can't. So they normally wake up cold. So yeah. just being mindful of temperature, external and environmental sounds. So, you know, in the winter, if your heating's coming on at 5 or 5.30, yeah, the bear bang that in mind. That, the bang of the pipe. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, just thinking kind of about everything holistically. Think about everything that would wake you up yeah. um, and then try and reduce the likelihood that they'll wake up your yeah. baby, your child. Um, someone else has written in saying, how can I get my toddler to sleep in his bed all night? That whole bed, bed moving thing. Oh, so it's a good question. Now, um, I, I know I'm not the sleep expert. And I know that I'm a bit like, I don't mind a bit of musical beds. Musical beds, If yeah. everyone's asleep. Yeah. I know that's probably a bad thing to say, but I'm just a yeah. bit like, yeah, I, I, I woke up in a different bed that I went to sleep in, but did I sleep? Yeah. yeah. And everyone else did. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's fine. Keeping them in their bedroom, it's, it's hard to know without knowing how old the little one is yeah. and kind of a bit more, did they, have they said? The toddler. Toddler. Yeah, it's a tricky one because, again, that transition from cot to bed can sometimes play havoc. Because they're free. They, yeah, they're free. And actually, as we know, with children and, and development, they all want to feel secure. Yeah. They want those boundaries in place and a cot does give them those boundaries. So for anyone listening who's got little ones, don't transition them into a bed too soon. You know, actually, they their quality of sleep is often a lot better mm. because it, even if they roll around, they've got that yeah. proprioception when they hit the sides. It sort of tells them that they're safe yeah. and they know their boundaries. Yeah. Um, actually having that open bed is actually quite overwhelming for them if they're not developmentally at the point to kind of understand the more abstract boundary. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that totally does. Yeah, but just earlier bedtimes, keeping on top of overtiredness. Yeah. You want to prevent the wake up rather than deal with the wake up. Okay. So that's kind of the approach we come with. It's like we would try and stop them waking up in the first place yeah. rather than what do we do now they've woken up. Yeah. So that comes And obviously to... because everyone is tired at that point, just like, oh, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. So actually it's hard to implement anything. Yeah. When it's already happened. When it's already happened, yeah. And you don't want to have a battle for two hours in the middle of the night trying to just get get to sleep any way yeah. possible. Any advice on night terrors? I, I touched on night terrors. My little one th who's three suffers and it's so distressing. It is because when they're in that moment, you there's they nothing. They are not with you yeah, at all. Yeah, there is nothing yeah. you can do. So night terrors, I would be encouraging... An earlier bedtime. Is it sleep? Is it literally? Is it? Are they sleep related? Is it uh, what? What actually so creates the, a night terror? The night terrors. So they are. If I if I explain the overtiredness side, yeah, side yeah. of things and having a full bladder and how that can create ah. these kind of wake ups, there are night terrors that do happen, especially around the age of three. Had they? Yeah, they three. Say, yeah, yeah, three. But I would say before you identify it as a night terror, mm -hmm. I would be lifting them for a wee before they show that night terror. So say they always kind of wake up screaming and crying around 10 or 11. I would lift them for a wee before that just to empty their bladder. Sometimes having a full bladder, especially their potty train, which quite often coincides with the three yeah. mark, um, they fill their bladder up. And then when they wake up, it, almost having that sensation of a full bladder makes them more unsettled and distressed when they come out of that really deep sleep from their melatonin. Yeah. So I would be saying lift them for a wee kind of 9pm, yeah. empty their bladder and see if that helps. And I would also be going with an earlier bedtime to lower that cortisol. Right. You want to take away anything that's going to bring them out of their sleep cycle. Yeah, yeah, Does that yeah. makes sense? And just keep them really calm and, yeah. and balanced. But there are some children that do struggle with night terrors. They are really hard to manage. Mm. There really isn't anything you can do. Obviously, if it's a real issue, you can always go to your medical professional, yeah. go to your local GP and, and discuss it if it's really proving you know, worrying, yeah. um, sleepwalking as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be potentially saying go and get some support for that. But 
in terms of those waking up, those cries, usually around 10, 30, 11, mm-hmm. I'd lift them for a wee and I'd try an earlier bedtime just to see if it makes a difference. And I'm, I'm confident with a lot of people it, it will. Yeah. Yeah. My younger two have also suffered quite badly with growing pains. What we think are growing pains. Yeah. Because I say about their legs and their feet. Yeah. Whenever they wake up in the night, it's always them that are, that are giving them jip. Yeah. Yeah, no, mate. Potentially. Mm. And when they're going through their sleep cycles, you know, if there's anything that's bothering them, whether it's growing pains, teeth, they're growing a cold and they can't quite breathe properly, you know, as they come in and out of their sleep cycles, they're going to be bothered by whatever it is that's bothering them. So just trying to, I mean, just keeping on top of overtiredness is honestly the best bit of advice for everybody. (laughs) I I feel like whenever somebody talks to me about sleep, I'm just like, overtiredness, cortisol, overtiredness, cortisol. (laughs) But honestly, it is just a game changer. If you're mindful of it and you know how to reduce it, it can have such an impact on sleep, positive impact Mm. on sleep. One person has asked, how do I transition from bed sharing to own bed? Okay, so that goes back to one of the, the questions that I said about where you want to, what you want to do, dependent on the, the age of the little one, is you want to layer up other sleep associations before you take that one away. Right. So if they're used to being in your bed, if you then just go right now into your bed, that's a massive change. So I would potentially suggest going in their bed with them, mm-hmm. get them in their room, get them settled. You could have a mattress on the floor. You could give them your duvet. It was a life changer, I've got to say. When when we started putting a mattress on the floor, yeah. we were just like, why, why didn't we do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it also gives you that flexibility. Yeah. You know, if they do wake up, they're bored, just, oh, well, I'll come and lay with you. It's yeah. fine. It's not an issue. But it gets them into their own room. It gets them settled in their own room. And... Yeah, I would layer up something before you take it away. Yeah. Try and do it really gradually, small steps. You're far more likely to stay consistent and keep going with the small steps than trying to take massive steps and then Mm. go, that was a disaster and give up. Yeah. So, yeah, small and steady. Small and steady. Tips on newborn sleep, just go with the flow or straight to a routine? know this one with the newborn sleep it's the fourth trimester so babies need to be nurtured held cuddled and we know that the more contact and touch we give them the better their brains develop so just give them what they need don't worry about a routine yeah there's plenty of time for you know a rhythm or a routine further down the line if that's what you choose to do yeah amazing um, one person has literally said, I, and again, I feel like this is another cry for help. We'll end with this one. When should a baby sleep through the night? <laughs> no, oh, you can feel that. You can I feel know. that. You can feel that this this mum is clearly in it, completely in it, and just kind of going, when? <laughs> when? And the thing is, it's how long's a piece of string because yeah. every little one's different, but they will. You know, we know that highly sensitive and highly intelligent children have a lower sleep need. So actually, you're beating yourself up because your little one's not sleeping very well. When oh actually, my gosh, that's a takeaway right there. Quite, yeah, but quite often, you know, not always, and sometimes as I've overtiredness <laughs> plays a part. But we we do also know that some children just have a lower sleep need. Yeah, and and that's that shouldn't be something that we're ashamed of. You know that you know your, my child doesn't actually need that much sleep. It might be because their their brain's you know busy doing other things. So maybe Einstein right? They, here. Exactly. He doesn't need sleep actually. Exactly. He's just working out yeah. the next like you know whatever he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that a lot. <laughs> um, so what are your top takeaways when it comes to sleep? No overtiredness. No overtiredness. Keep on top of sleep quota to prevent the overtiredness. Always go for an earlier bedtime rather than a later bedtime. Don't compare yourself with other situations. Everyone's different. Everyone's tolerance is different as well. Mm. You know, 
what one mum can cope with, another mum can't. And yeah. we shouldn't, yeah, the comparison and the judgment just needs to do one, needs yeah. to go, we need to abolish it. And yeah, just know that it is always a a moment. It You know, when you're in that moment with a newborn baby and you're trying to settle them or you're there with a three-year-old that's, you know, having a night terror and you can't connect, it's a moment and it mm. will pass. Yeah. Um, so the final three sentences, yes. if you don't mind. Being a parent means? Being a parent means. So I think it's constantly seeking balance. So however you want to look at that, but being a parent and having to find whether it's your happiness versus your child. You know, you're like, right, I know my child needs this, so I'm going to sacrifice my own happiness to do that for them. But if you do that too much, that, yeah. then you burn out and yeah, you can't yeah. be the mum you want to be. And vice versa, if you sort yourself out, then your baby is also going mm -hmm. to miss out. So I feel like it's just seeking balance with everything in life, whether it's sleep, happiness, you know, relationships, everything. I think it's yeah. just about constantly trying to find that balance. And sometimes you won't always get it right. And that's okay. Sometimes you will have a week where, you know, you're like, I just need to sleep. And you're going to do things that get you the sleep you need. And mm -hmm. other times you'll have the capacity to help them more. Just, yeah, just trying to find balance and don't beat yourself up. Um, if I could tell you one thing, it would be so going back to what I've kind of already touched upon, that it's a moment. And when you're in that moment, it can feel like you're on your own, the lights are off, no one's home, you're going at it alone. But there is always a solution. There is always support out there. It's ever evolving. Things will change. So when you're in that moment and you're just at crisis, I mean, I'll use an example. You have a power cut and the energy goes mm. um and you're sat in a dark house thinking when are the lights ever going to come on but we all know that they do come on yeah. so going back to that question from that lady you know when's my baby going to sleep through we don't know when but they will they will so just sort of having that moment knowing it's you know knowing it is a moment it's going to pass and then yeah just getting the other side of it really mm. and knowing that the solution support and help you know you don't need to be on your own there's so much information out there and finding um, the right the right information for you, yeah, and, and being able to, I think, to pick up information, and and to put it down if mm. it's if, you if it's not right. for you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't. I, I don't think you have to look at what other people are doing and kind of then pass judgment on them. It's enough to just kind of go, yeah, no, not for me. What what's this bit? Oh, let's see what that one does. I, yeah. I think it should be it should be quite a fluid thing. I think, and and it, I don't think we should be. There should be one one size fits all. Yeah. No. And that and that's what we do at Sleeping Bunnies. We don't have a one size fits all. Yeah. When someone says, Oh, can you give us a template for wake windows? We, we don't we don't have that. Yeah. We don't have it because we work out how well your baby's sleeping at night and how long their naps are. And we use that to work out what the awake window is. So just you can get an average, but don't beat yourself up if your baby isn't doing what the average says because you know, everyone's so individual. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I'm happy when. So I oh, thought about this. There's so many things that make me happy. So it's really hard. It's a really hard question, isn't it? It is a very hard question. Um, and also it depends on the day. Yeah, it does and the time on the day. day. But I think the guaranteed happy moment that I have every day, and it's probably a little bit cliche considering I'm a sleep consultant, but is that moment when I've looked after them, I've fed them, I've had a day at work, I've done tea, ballet, runs, you know, I've been busy, busy, busy. And then just before I go to bed, 
I go up and I check on them. Oh, that's and sleep. Tom won't touch them. Like once the kids are asleep, Tom's like he just he just peers around the door and goes, "Yeah, they're all right." I'm like oh, probably up oh, their I face, give them kisses, kisses smooches. They say they love me in their sleep. <laughs> I love it. I go, "I love you." Nora's like, "I love you, mummy." Like snuggles me. Oh, it's lovely. And that's probably and I get it every day. It's like a yes. guaranteed happy moment. Whereas other things that make me happy might actually make me stress the next day. But yeah, that's yeah, like a yeah. guaranteed. I, you know, I go and check on all three of them. The youngest one, I have to be a little bit quieter. She, 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 she's a little bit more light asleep. My by that time. Yeah. I'd probably, like, nuzzle into their faces. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God, yeah. we've never had that as an I'm happy well, and I was so happy that someone has done it because <laughs> it's such a happy moment. It is, and it's like a sense of accomplishment. It's like I've, I've given them a safe, loving, you know, place, yeah. home. They've had a good day. They've eaten well. They've played. They've been the guy, you know, and then you just get to see them in the most, like, chilled, peaceful. And at that yes, moment, there lovely. is nothing but love. No. There's no conflict over putting shoes on or, no. t- like, anything like that. There is just... Because they're asleep. <laughs> yes, because they're asleep. There's love. no answering back. They just <laughs> love you. And the end, like, say, no, I love you, mummy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, no, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.